How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you wait places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in fight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marked beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. So that's Acts chapter 26, and I'll be reading from verse 1. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, 
but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midnight, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes, so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have, helped, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying, both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things have escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, 
I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Then the king rose, the governor and Bernice, and those who were sitting with them. And when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. What is Jesus doing in the world? What is Jesus doing in the world? I might say that how we answer that question is very important. If the answer to that question is nothing, then clearly we wouldn't be Christians. Um, He's alive and he's enthroned, the Bible claims, and nowhere says that he's got his feet up. But if our answer to that question is too small, merely uh, Jesus is helping people through hard times or making me a better person, uh, we're going to have problems uh, because lots of people claim to be doing things like that. Even if our answer is slightly bigger, if Jesus is making the world a better place, uh, bringing peace or growing love, uh, there are lots of charities, aren't there? Governments and rulers who claim to be doing something comparable. And Jesus is in heaven, which is much less visible than Oxfam shaking their donation pot on the street. There's a danger that we see Jesus as one of just a few competing options. Uh, Maybe not a competing option for us. Of course, he's our choice. Uh, But for our friends and our colleagues, he might just be one of a number of competing options. If we have a small view of what Jesus is doing, it's going to be a whole lot harder to work up the courage to speak about Jesus, especially when it's costly. I think of my friend who's into Extinction Rebellion, and in that she has a whole network of caring people united in their efforts to do something worthwhile, and as they say, to change the world. Uh, She has a worldview that sort of works and drives her to do some very good things. If I'm not clear on how huge and significant Jesus' work in the world is, of course I'm going to hesitate about speaking about him to my friend. I need to be reminded of just how much the scale and significance of Jesus' work blows everything else out of the water, uh, which is what our passage today is for. Paul is once again defending his ministry, this time before the local king of the region, Herod Agrippa II. Agrippa is a client king of Caesar, a sort of local stand-in, who Paul is on his way to see, for he has appealed his case to Caesar. So Paul is on the way to Caesar. If there was a competing option to King Jesus in Luke's day, it was Caesar. Caesar wielded incredible power and used it to accomplish incredible feats. Uh, vast constructions, epic campaigns. Did you know that for over 200 years, various Caesars established what they called a Pax Romana, a Roman peace that apparently meant a citizen could carry a bag of gold for the whole width of the empire with no guards and no fear. Uh, That's pretty cool and not at all like London. Uh, But in this climactic speech of Acts, it becomes very clear that Jesus is doing something far bigger. Paul recounts his Jewish upbringing, his persecution of Christianity, and his meeting with the living Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, But we're going to focus on a few climactic verses of this climactic speech, uh, where Jesus explains to Paul the epic scale of his agenda. Uh, What is the risen Lord Jesus doing in the world today? And the first thing that we see is that he is bringing light through his witnesses. 
We're looking at verses 16 to 18. The risen Lord Jesus is bringing light through his witnesses. In this new phase of history that we've entered in the book of Acts, the risen Lord Jesus reigns in heaven as the king of all things. But that really doesn't mean that his work on earth has stopped. Quite the opposite. It continues through his witnesses. Look down at verse 16. Jesus says to Paul, rise and stand up upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness. We often think of that servant language as referring to Jesus. Uh, Jesus is God's suffering servant, come to give life as a ransom for many. Uh, But here, Jesus applies that uh, servant word to Paul. Uh, Paul is going to be serving God and the world, uh, but not by dying for his sins or dying for our sins. Uh, He's going to be being a servant by testifying for Jesus, testifying to Jesus' saving servant work. Uh, Jesus' life and death and resurrection may have happened in quite a small part of the Middle East, uh, but they have global consequences. And as servant witnesses like Paul are sent out to the nations, uh, verse 17 calls us the Gentiles, uh, the work of Jesus goes global. Uh, But what is this work? Uh, What is Jesus doing through his witnesses? Uh, Well, in verse 18, Jesus gives a rich description of what those witnesses are sent out to do. And we're going to follow it through bit by bit. And the key image for today is light. I am sending you, Jesus says in verse 18, to open their eyes. Jesus is picking up these verses from Isaiah, those verses in Isaiah that we read to one another earlier. The picture is of a world smothered in darkness. It doesn't get particularly dark here in London, so it can be quite hard to imagine. Even in the deepest winter nights, the street lights and the window lights get refracted through the haze that always seems to be around, and it's never really dark. But Isaiah wanted us to imagine the blackness of a dungeon deep beneath the ground. Stone walls soaking up the light until it doesn't make a difference, really, whether you've got your eyes open or shut. That sort of terrifying, soul-destroying blackness. And the people, they've been in that darkness for so long that their eyes have stopped working. They are glued shut and atrophied. Uh, This is the world, turned away from God, lost in sin and subject to death. But then into that darkness shines a light. Jesus, in verse 13, we saw that he came with a light from heaven brighter than the sun. And that light is so bright that it fills every crack and crevice of the world, warming, cleansing and revealing. A light so bright that it can even restore sight to the blind. Now, I don't know whether you've seen those videos of people with treatable forms of blindness seeing again for the very first time. It's obviously overwhelming as the light first breaks through. But then, joy. Tears or cries of joy. And that is what Jesus has brought into our dark world, light. And through his witnesses, he is opening eyes, or as verse 23 puts it, proclaiming light. Jesus is opening eyes. And with that opening of eyes in verse 18 comes a glorious offer. Jesus come to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. 
Jesus saying, you don't have to be in darkness anymore. With open eyes comes the offer of freedom. Humanity has been sitting in the darkness of sin and separation from God. But there have been chains wrapped around our wrists and ankles. The Bible is clear that left to ourselves, we choose sin and separation from God, but it also enslaves us. We are under the power of sin and Satan is our slave master. But through his death and resurrection, Jesus offers freedom. So as Paul and the other witnesses take the gospel to the world, it is like there is a worldwide prison break going on. As the news of Jesus' death and resurrection is preached in Jerusalem and Samaria and Rome and London, Jesus is going from cell to cell to cell, smashing chains and opening up prison gates. Under Jesus' rule and with his help, we are free, free to live the life that we were made for, knowing God and serving him, loving and being loved by him. Jesus' rule is all about freedom. Uh, But not just freedom, Um, we read on in verse 18, it is an offer of forgiveness. Reading on in verse 18, uh, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. And now even if we were willing and able to choose God on our own, uh, all humanity is guilty of lives lived in rebellion to God. Uh, All of us have gone our own way and done our own thing. We have lived as if he doesn't exist and that we're in charge. And now we may be burdened with guilt and shame, or we may not be. Uh, Lots of people aren't. Uh, But the fact remains that we are guilty. So by rights, Jesus, the holy and righteous king, enthroned on the throne above all thrones, should be going out into this world in judgment and calling people to account. Uh, We all know the story that where the evil prince or the wicked witch sees the throne, Uh, We all know where they end up when the true king returns. Uh, The evil witch or the evil prince return to prison or worse. And you simply could not imagine Caesar or Herod Agrippa responding kindly to rebels. Indeed, when people in Judea rebelled a few years later, when Acts was written, uh, the rebels met a brutal and bloody end at the hands of 80,000 of Caesar's finest legionaries. Uh, But King Jesus is sending his witnesses into a rebellious world with an offer of forgiveness. And that forgiveness isn't begrudging. It isn't, I forgive you, I suppose, but stay at a distance. Uh, Jesus is welcoming people into his family, verse 18. uh, That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Do you see all these blessings are just stacking up? Uh, Sanctified means made holy, uh, set apart. And when they're explaining the meaning of this word, preachers often use the example of a sugar spoon being sanctified, set apart for the sugar and nothing else. Uh, But I don't take sugar in my tea, uh, so I don't have one of those at home. Uh, But we do at home have a hot chocolate whisk. It is set apart for the purpose of whisking hot chocolate. Uh, Jesus has set apart a special people. Uh, Not those who are good enough or religious enough, but those who have faith in him. He has made them into his own family, the church, a global family with one father who love him and love one another. And King Jesus offers anyone who will come to him a place in that family. 
And of course, that means on top of all of this, he is offering us a future. Because what happens to Jesus happens to his family too. Uh, Look ahead to verse 23. Uh, Paul proclaims that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Uh, Jesus can proclaim light to our darkened world because he is the first to rise from the dead, the first but not the last. Uh, The world is captive to death. Isaiah calls it a covering cast over all peoples, a veil spread over all nations. Uh, But through his witnesses, speaking of our risen king, Jesus is offering nothing less than true and lasting light for anyone who will turn to him. Now, at some point in the next year, there's going to be a general election and all of us are getting are going to get uh, leaflets and manifestos come through our door. Uh, the last Tory manifesto, when I checked this, was 64 pages. Uh, the last Labour manifesto was 107 pages of promises. And despite the length, people are always complaining that our leaders aren't doing anywhere near enough for our world. At the Caesars of the first century, with the help of kings like Agrippa, they promised this Pax Romana, peace and safety, that spread throughout the empire. But in just one little verse, verse 18 of our passage today, Jesus blows all of these promises out of the water. That's the reason Jesus and Luke want us to see this defense made before Agrippa. This defense is going to be made before Caesar. Paul is going to speak again of freedom and forgiveness and family and future that is offered through the witnesses to Jesus. And we are meant to compare what they have on offer. Jesus versus Caesar. Or today, Jesus versus Rishi. Uh, Jesus versus any person or organization or government that claims to be making a real and lasting difference in the world. Uh, Through his witnesses, Jesus is doing something far, far better. He is offering light and life, freedom, forgiveness, family and future. Uh, Jesus is bringing light through his witnesses. But you'll have noticed when this passage was read uh, that Paul's defense was rather more pointed than I've just laid out. It wasn't just an abstract defense of his ministry or an election leaflet that can safely, like my election leaflets, go from the journey from letterbox to doormat to recycling bin. Uh, No, this defense of Paul's ministry demands a response because Jesus is making new witnesses. We see that in verses 19 to 29. Uh, The risen Lord Jesus is making new witnesses. Uh, Possibly the most striking verse in the whole of this passage is verse 29. I don't know whether you noticed it. I printed it on the service sheet. Let me read it. And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except these chains. Uh, Paul is summoned by Jesus to witness, uh, to testify to him, and he wants others to be like him too. He wants all of us to be witnesses who testify. And none of us have seen Jesus alive in the same way that Paul and the apostles did. Uh, But if Paul expects us to be able to testify like him, he must think that we are fully equipped to testify to others about Jesus, Uh, which in fact we are. We have the Old Testament scriptures that foretell Jesus' coming, and we have the New Testament apostolic witness of his life and death and resurrection. We have the promises made and we have the promises kept. We have the full evidence package. So as we're brought into Jesus' family, 
from darkness to light, we too become witnesses who testify like Paul. And Paul's description in verses 19 to 23 help us to see what that should look like. Verse 19, therefore, O King Agrippa, says Paul, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared. Uh, Yes, we think the gospel changes our actions, but speech is an irreplaceable part of that for all of us witnesses. A humanity, we were made to boast about God's glory and becoming a Christian helps us to open our mouth in the right way again. Uh, Peter puts it like this, you are a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. That sounds a little scary, uh, the thought of testifying in that way, uh, but we're not alone. Uh, Verse 22. To this day, Paul says, I've had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying. Uh, Do you see that in Paul's witness? Christians are empowered uh, by God's Holy Spirit to speak boldly for him. We have the help that comes from God. And as we've seen from Acts, uh, the Lord gets witnesses, gets his gospel to wherever it needs to go. Uh, By all accounts, uh, Paul should be dead. He should be stoned in Lystra, torn apart in Jerusalem. Uh, But like us, as he witnessed, he could be assured of God's help. And we all need his help uh, because this testimony is to all people. Verse 22, to small and great. Acts 1 verse 8 puts it, to the ends of the earth. Uh, This is a gospel that everyone needs to hear. Uh, No one is too important. Uh, Paul spoke these words in a vast audience hall to a king and his wife, a Roman governor and a throng of senior soldiers and local officials. Uh, No one is too important to hear. No one is too great. But neither is anyone too small and below hearing. Uh, Paul testified in Acts 16 to his jailer in dungeon depths. Uh, We know that chat about Love Island probably doesn't belong in the boardroom with the CEOs. And we think, I think we know um, that we don't see many copies of the Financial Times passed around the local pub. Uh, But this news of Jesus belongs in both uh, the boardroom and the pub. And we can be sure that it belongs because it isn't something that we've just made up. Verse 22. Uh, Paul is saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses would come said would come to pass that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. Uh, This witness is what the whole Bible has been about. Uh, God's one message about Jesus that he has been promising from the foundation of the world. Now, the prophets, they had the hard job. They had to wait and look forward to wonder when this Christ was coming. Uh, But we've got the easy part of the deal. Uh, We're looking back and saying, look, uh, all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. Uh, Jesus has come already. In this passage, Paul makes testifying to Jesus sound like the most natural thing in the world. Even standing as he did in the local number 10 Downing Street. Of course I speak, he says. It's what Jesus has told me to do. It's what the prophets have always been saying and I've had the help of God to do it. And if we're Christians here today, we can have that sort of confidence as we go out into the world to testify about Jesus, about his work in our life, and ultimately about the fact that he is alive and reigns. He is bringing light into the world and sending out his witnesses to proclaim all of these wonderful things that we've been thinking about today. We can have a really big vision of what Jesus is doing in the world. And incredibly, we have been swept up into that work. 
but we've been swept up into this story and made into witnesses. If that's who we are, how could we not speak about our saviour and king? Uh, if you're here today not as a follower of Jesus. Uh, maybe you're here sitting today and thinking, wow, uh, this all sounds a bit mad. Uh, flowery words and nice sentiments, but just a bit deluded. And in our passage today, you'd be in very good company. Uh, look down at verse 24. And as Paul was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. You're being good company. Uh, but Paul wants to challenge you on that, if that's how you're thinking. Uh, look at verse 25. Uh, but Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. I am speaking true and rational words. Uh, true and rational words. Paul and millions of Christians have been convinced of the truth of Jesus' claims. If you think they're nice sentiments, um, think again. Um, they are a coherent and rational worldview that stands up to scrutiny. If you doubt that, why not take a look at the evidence yourself in one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life? Uh, that might be you. You might be sitting here like Festus thinking we are out of our minds. Or maybe you're here and feeling a little bit more like King Agrippa. Verse 26, Paul says, the king knows about these things and to him I speak boldly, for I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. Perhaps you're like Agrippa, perhaps you've looked at a gospel before and seen the evidence. Perhaps you've seen the difference that Jesus has made in the life of someone you know, perhaps a friend or your parents or a family member. Perhaps you've looked back and noticed the vast impact that Jesus seems to be having on the world throughout history and across the world today. Uh, maybe you're hearing today and you're starting to feel a little bit like you're in the hot seat, like Paul's putting you in the hot seat. And if that's you, um, I think that's right. Uh, Paul wants to push you and push you even further. Look down at verse 27. Paul says to Agrippa, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And remember, Paul is speaking to the literal king of the region, Caesar standing in the area, the man with all the power. He's speaking to the man with all the power who's thinking that he's in the hot seat. And Paul is saying, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Whoever we are today, whoever, wherever we've come from, uh, whatever we've done, uh, the right response to seeing Jesus's work in the world is to step into the light and join in the witness. Uh, Paul was speaking to Agrippa for the first time, and he was willing to say to Agrippa, become a Christian. Uh, Jesus is alive. He reigns and is offering you, Agrippa, freedom, forgiveness, family and future, light and life. And if you're sitting here like a gripper today, can I say that you can't teeter on the fence forever? If you think these things are true, if Jesus is alive, uh, repent and turn to God, says Paul. Step into the light. Uh, what Jesus is doing in the world is far greater than we often remember. Uh, other things pale in comparison. I just love the idea that Paul the prisoner was so confident in that that he was willing to take a punt on even King Agrippa and his room full of nobles being brought from death to life and made witnesses for Jesus. Uh, that We would have that same confidence as we go out from here today. Uh, as we close, let me pray for that.
Heavenly Father, thank you that in Jesus you are bringing light to our darkened world. Please continue to amaze us with all that Jesus is doing across the world and help us as we join in and speak of all that he is and all he has done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.